It's the big wake-up call. I'm Ryan Gatenby. It is that time we head on over to the World News Center and have a chat with Bill McCormick. Bill, good morning. Good morning. How are you this wonderful day? I'm feeling pretty good. Doing good. Hey, you know, I can't complain either. I'm uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to face it all, see what happens. So what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about your favorite character in the history of characters that have ever existed <laughs> in characters. Yeah. Prince, Prince Namor. Right. Um, well, and, Lord Namor. Yeah, well, now, but we're, we're going to go all the way back to Prince. And okay. we to get an idea of just how twisted this character is, you kind of have to get an idea of how he came to be. Now, he was originally released, the cartoon was originally released in 1939 with him as a 19-year-old prince of Atlantis. And so we'll play with that for a minute here. Uh, in 1920, according to the cartoon comic book, uh, a captain named Leonard McKenzie embarked on an expedition to Antarctica. Uh, his ship was searching for a Lumerian city that was supposedly rumored to house the mythical Helmet of Power. Uh, one of his passengers, Paul Destine, a.k.a. Paul Destiny, uh, was looking to use it for whatever nefarious reasons he had. Mackenzie distrusted um, Destiny and was afraid the helmet would be used to cause an avalanche to bury cities and take over the world. So making his way to safety, Mackenzie set explosive charges to break up the ice holes in the ship's paths. Once again, you, you, that, said, you said ice holes, right? I don't have to reach for my delay. No, no, you don't have to. You're, you're fine. Okay. Um, or you can even go with ice flows if you would prefer. Okay. Uh, but anyway, he was unaware that Atlantis laid beneath the waters. Uh, the city sustained heavy damage, and the Atlantean emperor at that time, Thakor, great name, uh, commanded his daughter, Fen, who was a great warrior, to investigate the causes of the explosions, startling Mackenzie's crew because, you know, you, hey, you're in the Antarctic, blue-skinned blue women crawling out of the ocean, crawling up the side of your boat is not something you normally expect back then, you know, 1920s. It was before it was popular to have blue-skinned women crawling out of the water. Right, but they had uh, to wear those 1920s bathing suits. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, um, anyway, she stayed aboard the ship for several weeks, and... Uh, as it would happen, uh, Princess Fenn fell in love with um, Captain Mackenzie. So it was. Therefore, however, Thakor, remember him, the king, he was fearing his daughter had been kidnapped or killed, and he had no idea what was going on. So he sent a uh, war party to search for her. And thinking that she was a captive, the Atlanteans slaughtered Mackenzie's crew and then also slaughtered Mackenzie himself. So that killed everybody on the boat, including Paul Destiny, we, we are told. Afterwards, Fenn returned with the war party to Atlantis, and nine months later, da -da 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 -da, Prince Namor was born, the first Homo sapien, Homo mermanus hybrid. I love the way they phrase that, Homo mermanus. Love it. Yeah. So, Prince grew up with a short, nasty temper, a hostile attitude towards surface dwellers, and because he was a mixed blood, he was not given the, uh, not given the uh, formal training that normal Glantian children would get. So he had little to no formal schooling. What he learned, he learned kind of on his own. Um, he That's was, right. Uh, Street smarts or ocean smarts. Ocean smarts, yeah. Um, anyway, like I said, he grew up in a nasty temper, a hostile uh, attitude towards uh, surface dwellers, who he, who he blamed for the near destruction of Atlantis, which... All things considered, he wasn't that far off. They did blow up a bunch of bombs over their city. Yep. Um, when Thakur discovered men in diving suits near Atlantis, he assumed they were an advanced scout for an invasion. And the fiery submariner, uh, Prince Nemo, launched a frequent preemptive attacks against humanity, causing untold destruction throughout New York City and leading him into, con into a confrontation with a guy named Jim Hammond. Now, Jim Hammond is an interesting cat. Uh, he was a... Uh, 
an experiment created by a guy named uh, Phineas T. Horton for scientific purposes who was supposed to be able to control heat and fire. Instead, anytime he got near oxygen, he just lit up on fire, which is bad. So, so they encased no him in, yeah. So they encased him in concrete for a while, so he wouldn't keep blowing up. Um, which I can't see how that's healthy, but there you go. That's what they did. Uh, anyway, oxygen slept through the slept uh, struck snuck through the concrete because it concrete is still porous, and uh, he blew up the concrete and got free. But he also learned how to control his power, so he wasn't just constantly blowing people up all the time. And he decided to. Uh, to use his powers to help stop the, at that time, the uh, pre-Nazi invasion. He was uh, pre-1941. He was he was getting ready to join World War II, which hadn't officially started yet. But he was going to help stop the Axis powers. And he became friends for reason or reasons unknown, because it gets really weird in the stories. I've read a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, sure, this makes sense. Yeah. Sure, anyway, he yeah. became fr- He became friends with the Submariner. And... Um, in the comic books, uh, Jim came face-to-face with Adolf Hitler and killed him with his bare hands at the end of World War II. And then uh, the Nazis just said that their beloved leader has merely taken his own life. Um, so there you have that. But then, for reason or reasons unknown, because, again, we're getting back to comic books in the 30s and 40s here, um, as I said, Hammond and uh, Prince Namor were good friends. They were best friends. They were, they were, They were buddies. They were tight. And they got into an argument, and then... As happens with best friends who have an argument, Namor beheaded him. <laughs> See, now this was before like the Comics Code Authority, right? So comics could be yeah. pretty nasty. Yep, oh, yeah, it was well before the fifties and well before the Comic Code Authority, and so on and so forth. It was, uh, it was, it was the wild, wild west of what they were doing with comics, and you know, it's, it is what it is. Anyway, um, so if you remember, we were talking before about the uh, helmet, that magical helmet. Um, well, Paul Destiny turns out to have survived the uh, name the attack of the Atlanteans, and he did uh, obtain the helmet of power and was causing earthquakes all over the world. Uh, and his power destroyed much of Atlantis, including killing King Thakor and his daughter Fen, who happened to be Namor's mother. Um, so Namor got uh, control of the helmet, returned to New York, and with amnesia became a wandering derelict. And he was just living in the streets in New York growing a beard and what have you. Now, eventually, Johnny Storm, the second human torch, this one not created created by a space flight and not created by a crazy man who locked him in concrete, right? Um, discovered Namor in the bower. He recognized who he was, and, you know, because he had access to Reed Richards' uh, databases and stuff like that, so he knew who he was. So he uh, burned all the body hair off of Prince Namor because that's what you do, right? <laughs> w- wow. <laughs> Why? Uh, because Prince Namor had, uh, he basically turned into a drunk. He was living in alleys. Uh, he was covered oh. in body hair. So he was and, trying uh, to help. Yeah, he was trying to help. He didn't just, just do uh, it for a goof. No, it wasn't done for, for a goof. But uh, anyway, they they burned away the extra hair. And they Storm, uh, Storm dropped uh, Prince Namor into the harbor so he could return to Atlantis. And the immersion uh, into the water restored most of Namor's memory. However, Namor now assumed humans had destroyed Atlantis, so he turned around, came back out of the water, and invaded New York. And then he was really ticked off at the Fantastic Four. Correct. And it goes back and forth. Uh, He had the hots for Sue Storm for a long time. Well, who Um, doesn't? Oh, yeah, that's true. um, But uh, 
despite the fact that she was, you know, in a long-term relationship with Mr. Fantastic. Um, and then because when he realized he couldn't have her, he instead turned his attention to Dorma, who became one of his wives. Uh, and then he went out and teamed up with Dr. Doom and Magneto because that's what you do when you get, you know, turned down by Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, but uh, Namor, to put it politely, has some issues. I think the biggest difference between Namor and Aquaman, there's two things. One, first of all, Namor preceded Aquaman by over two and a half years. His, car- his character came first. And second of all, whereas Aquaman talks to fish uh-huh. and says hello to fish and works with fish to, you know, create his fish army and do fish things with the fish th- fishes. That's right, because Aquaman can have concentric circles coming from his head that allow him to talk to fish. That's correct. Whereas Namor dates them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he actually, at, at one point, he dated a sea serpent and impregnated it. Yeah. I don't even want to think about how the genetics of that one worked. Namor but was the, the was the Nick Cannon of the deep. Yeah, he uh, he was a player. He was a player. Um, but yeah, any fish he he dealt with that he claimed was royalty, much like the sea serpent, um, uh, he he would uh, date them. He would. Uh, do what he had to. And a couple of times he was still married to one of his wives while he was dating sea serpents. He didn't consider it cheating because it was with other royalty or no. it's, he perceived it. Royalty. He's got a, he's got a guma. Yeah. Oh, what a character. Okay. So this brings us up to Marvel is talking about release. Well, they're not talking. They've confirmed that they've greenlit a Prince Namor movie and they've automatically walked into a problem. Why is that? Universal Films owns the distribution rights to Prince Namor. They own the character or they just own the distribution rights? They own the distribution rights. Okay. You can make all the movies you want, but they have to distribute it. Hmm. Okay. And that gets really complicated for the Marvel Disney universe because they have their own distribution agreements with companies that they need to adhere to. And if they just start giving stuff away... They will be literally violating their own contracts. Can't they just pay Universal off? They tried to do that. Uh, we're going to, stepping back in time, in the 90s, when they sold the rights to Universal, as uh, you and I had talked about a little bit offline, there used to be a comic book with Prince Namor, or a comic online, uh, or on TV, with Prince Namor, and, you know, it's all his adventures and so on and so forth. When they sold the character, and they sold the rights to Universal, Universal didn't want the comic, so it ended up just getting dumped so they couldn't make the comic anymore they couldn't make the comic strip anymore or the comic anymore mm-hmm. um the, the other character that they sold to universal was the hulk now the first two hulk movies that got made were made in conjunction because it was just marvel with nobody else they had nothing else on the table so marvel released the two different hulk movies the one by uh ang and the uh the other one that uh, started america's new favorite bruce banner you know, and but, I don't, uh, I don't want to go hating, but I, I didn't think either of those were very good. I liked the Ang version better, but just because it had more of a comic book feel. But yeah, neither one of them, you know, set my life on fire. Um, anyway, but those were distributed by Universal because Marvel had nothing else really going on at the time, and they were trying to set up this new universe for that would become their universe, you know, but. They, it wasn't working. No, people weren't buying the Hulk. They had a couple other things they tried. And then eventually Iron Man came out. Now, Iron Man 
was a, a shot in the dark. Um, but they no, there nobody else owned anything on Iron Man. They, Marvel literally had 100% control over this. And Kevin Page said, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And it, the rest of it is history. I mean, obviously, he got it right. What, no matter what you think of the Marvel movies, they have made billions of dollars. And everyone who stars in one is making at least $20 million plus royalties. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's out on the street selling pencils after working in a Marvel movie. Um, you know, they, they did very, very well. Which brings us back up to Prince Namor. In um, the Eternals and at the end of uh, Avengers Endgame, there were references to Prince Namor more so in the Eternals than there was in Endgame. Um, and in Endgame, they were like, uh, they were asking uh, Wakanda, "What are you doing with all these underwater earthquakes?" And they're like, "They're underwater earthquakes. We're ignoring them. We're, we're not underwater. We're on land." And um, you know, in other words, something that helmet thing might have come back. Prince Namor may have got the helmet again, so on and so forth. Uh, and then a lot of illusions happened there to Prince Namor. After the Eternals, it was ref- uh, Prince Namor was definitely referenced, and Marvel said, we're going forward with this. And that's when a bunch of people raised their hands and said, what about Universal? Because yeah. they can put the Hulk, for example, in, a, in another movie. Hulk can be in Hulk with Thor, Hulk in Avengers, Hulk with whatever. He's a character that they own. And it's, as long as it's not a standalone movie, they can do whatever they want with him. Yeah, and Hulk and Namor intersect a lot in the comic books. Yes, they do. And they might be able to do something like that, make a Hulk movie with Namor in it, but they don't want to make a, a new Hulk movie because Hulk has not shown to have the draw that other characters do. Um, Thor, big draw. Hulk, not so much. People love the Hulk, but they don't love, love the Hulk. They're not going out and spending 20, 30 bucks right. to sit in a theater with popcorn to watch a Hulk movie. You're just not getting the snappy dialogue you expect from a Marvel movie. No, he doesn't. Because, you know, Hulk smash is pretty much what you got. Right. And, uh, and now they've got Professor Hulk, which that's probably not going to last. Uh, there are already rumors that they're going to kill that character and return him to Hulk smash. So yeah. It makes the dialogue easier. Um, but uh, so they've got Prince Namor but they have no way to release that movie because if they release it on universal, which is where the contract is right now, then they will violate their contract with Disney, which is kind of a stupid thing to do when you're talking, somebody just gave you like $4 billion to go make movies. Um, and if they violate their contract with Disney, then they violate their contract. But I think, I think it's seven different, different distribution networks worldwide, Man. maybe eight in a way. There's going to be lawsuits on top of lawsuits, and those lawsuits are going to have baby lawsuits, and the baby lawsuits are going to have grandchildren lawsuits, and they're going to be giving lollipops to the next generation of lawsuits. Wow, those are like the Nick Cannon of lawsuits. <laughs> You're on a Nick Cannon roll today, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting every single day. I'm waiting to see if he's having another kid with another woman. Yeah. He, uh, but you know he's the he's the family friendly host of the Mass Singer, so keep on giving that guy jobs hosting family shows. There you go. There you go. Because uh, he's got a lot. He's got a big family. Well, yeah. He uh, when you say family values, he's got lots of them. Yeah. So anyway, back to yeah. Namor because we've only got about a minute left. Okay, back to Namor. They're trying right now to work something out with Universal, and maybe they will. Uh, maybe they'll work something out like they did with Sony and Spider Man where everybody becomes part of like this just big group and they do it that way. And so universal gets a piece of the distribution money that Disney gets. 
and Universal just shuts up and says, you know, send us money. We don't have to do any work. That's great. And that seems to be where it's headed. A couple of insiders I've spoken to said that's kind of where everybody wants this to go. Yeah. But to say that it's there would be a giant over, overreach. I'm, there's no, there's nothing on paper. There's nothing signed. There's no I's dotted, no T's crossed. They're just talking right now. So we'll see what happens. But right now, good intentions or not, the Prince Namor movie may end up being forced to become something else. You know, part of a Doctor Strange movie or a, a Defenders movie or maybe even bring back a Silver Surfer and do something with them. Well, that's but, a great uh, stopping point, Bill. We're out of time, but uh, I'd love to talk more Namor next week. Uh, at Bill McSci-Fi, BillMcSciFi.com, at Big Wake Up Call. Check out the all-new Big Wake Up Call podcast. Please subscribe and leave a positive review. It really helps. Bill, thank you as always, and uh, we will chat next time. All right, my friend. Have a great week. Bye.